Rocking with the super califragilistic dope shit. Your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, featuring on the verge artists, established influencers, and people from all walks of life doing dope shit. With your host, Emiliano Styles. All right. Welcome to another episode of Super Califragilistic Dope Shit. I have a very special guest, one of my favorite people. So to start off the podcast, <laughs> I like to do a uh, a rapid fire segment where I ask you to choose between two things. Okay. Don't give me any explanation. Just which one do you prefer? Okay. This or that. You ready? Yeah. Android or Apple? Apple. Brutal honesty or white lies? White lies. In the light or in the dark? In the light. Career or family? Family. Marriage or long-term commitment? Long-term commitment. Pac or Biggie? Pac. Love Jones or Love and Basketball? Love Jones. Kobe or LeBron? Kobe. J. Cole or Kendrick? Kendrick. Monique or Tiffany Haddish? Little <laughs> <laughs> No shade. <laughs> Monique. Okay. Push uh, it. Huh? Neither. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Pusha T or Dre? Pusha T. Nike or Adidas? Nike. Marvin or Stevie? Stevie. Tyler Perry or Lee Daniels? Yeah, you can help me with the needed. I'm sorry, but that's aggressive. <laughs> Lee Daniels, after what he did to Dame? Like, oh, but, well. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. Yeah. Sugar on grits or salt on grits? Sugar. HBO or Showtime? HBO. The Wire or Breaking Bad? The Wire. Autumn or Summer? Bottom. All right, that's it. You know what? You are the first one <laughs> who ever said neither multiple times <laughs> or said both. You're the only one who's ever done that so far. Today is a historic occasion. <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up, though. That's, that's, that's what's mean, up. That's like picking between two evils. Not that like Tiffany Haddish and Monique are evil, but I'm not like, that's not my brand of comedy. Okay. And so I think like Monique and just the stuff that she's done and all of that before the Netflix thing. And <clears throat> I mean, Tiffany Haddish is cool. Okay. Typecast, but Yeah. Um So Terry <laughs> Hi Terry is actually this is like one of my favorite people. Good to have met you. And she's like a really insightful person, 
very supportive of all the friends. Like every time I feel like we talk mm-hmm. or that I'm over here, oh, I'm over at her place, everyone. <laughs> it's magnificently designed. It should be an interior design magazine, by the way. <laughs> But every time I come back, I feel like you're always like rocking. I'm like, what shirt is that? Oh, this is my homie. He has his brand. Da, 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 da. Oh, where'd you get that uh, bag? Oh, you know, my friend actually makes these. So I bought it from her. So you like, she's very supportive. And she's also a really dope photographer. Mm-hmm. So she does some really dope photography. They have been featured in. Yo, she had her photos downtown LA on the marquee by LA Live. And there was like, how many? I think it was like three of them. Five. Five? Excuse me. There were three slides, but five images. Five of her photography is like, basically, it looks like Times Square. That's how big her photos was up Mm -hmm. in downtown LA. That's aggressive. (laughs) <laughs> but no so there and then like multiple galleries and showing that she's very a very much a a, um, a curator of the arts a supporter of the arts and friends and what else would you like to say about yourself um yes I am supportive of friends um, and I love art I like collecting art making it and viewing it. There it is. Yeah. Now, but we'll get more on your art later. Okay. Your photography later. Okay. Um, so, I met Terry through Evita, I believe. Yes. So, I was directing a series, a long form series called Crowns of Style for Black and Sexy TV. And we shot here. Because it's just so magnificently <laughs> interiorly interior design, <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, she was just like very cool, very just like good energy. I always say when I come over here, it just feels like home. It feels like I'm like my aunties or something. It's just like a great welcoming energy. It's it's just like energies because I I've been to some places and it's just like energy is a very real thing. Yeah. Um, I'm so. intentional about the energy in here mm-hmm. and <clears throat> wanting it to be just a very comfortable space for whoever comes over. Mm-hmm. Like, my energy got to be right, your energy got to be right, because I will say to the shit out of this place when you leave. Yeah. So that's why I always smell sage when I'm walking out. I get it. I mean, we gotta keep it keep it clear up in here. Yeah. So, um, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I decided to do this because I was always just interested in dope people in general. It doesn't matter how many followers they have or what notoriety they have. Just like, is there a person who's just doing dope shit? That's it's why I started the podcast. So my first question, what is the dopest thing? I don't know why I'm pointing at <laughs> What is the dopest thing that you have done up to this point? It'd have to be having the <clears throat> photos on the billboard. Okay. Um, month of photography, 
through the Lucy Foundation. Um, they were working with Standard Vision, who's a company that owns um, the billboard. They do lighting installations around the city and they own the digital billboard um, on the Courtyard Marriott across from LA Live. And 2016, during the month of photography, every week they featured different photographers' works. They had different themes. Mine was the people theme, so it was all portraits. And they chose, they told me it was gonna be three portraits, but they chose five portraits. Mm -hmm and they screened every hour on the hour for a week. And so <clears throat> to be out there and to see my images, my name, like up in that scale was just like life-changing moments. The dopest thing ever. Super dope. And you tell us more about this portrait series or the photo series that you uh yeah so <clears throat> the series was called an exercise in stillness and I photographed 12 people um, men and women basically sitting in front of a mirror having a very personal experience with themselves so I instructed each person not to speak to me and to pretend like I wasn't there and just sit with themselves and try to be still while I just kind of document them. <clears throat> and I did that series in, I guess, what, the end of, wait, was that 2016? No, that was 2016 and the month of photography was 2017. Oh, okay. So yes. it was last year. It was last year. Okay. Yeah. It was the end of the year. I did the series into 2016, and then it was January 2017. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah, I showed those images at a small art space in Long Beach um, <clears throat> group show, and it was cool to have people come out and and view the work and be receptive to the process and the idea. Oh yeah, cause I remember, cause I was supposed to go to the show when my family was in town. Yes. I remember now. Mm -hmm. My sister and my nephew and my mom was in town. We just yeah. we didn't make it down there in time to Long Beach. Yeah. I remember. And also, what's the thing that they do at the convention center? Complex Con was happening. Oh, was at it? that time too. Was a lot going on. Yeah, was okay. a lot going on. But you were one of the wonderful people to sit for me. Yes, I had the esteemed pleasure. <laughs> of crying in front of Terry. <laughs> you did cry. And I was really trying to get the shot because that would have been so perfect a moment. Yeah. But it just didn't translate the way I would have liked. I, uh, I didn't like the white on the day was ugly cry with snot was hanging down so it Lies. wasn't that... Uh, <laughs> Lies. It wasn't that artistic. But yeah, that was dope because I was thinking like I think we even talked about this, but it's 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 not an easy thing to just sit in silence. No, because no, no. I mean, I've, I mean, it was your project, of course, you know. Well, um, I tried to do it myself when before I asked everybody else to do it. I tried to sit, had the mirror set up, 
had my camera set up <clears throat> and I just sat in front of the mirror and I cried for 20 minutes straight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. Mm. Like I couldn't face myself. Mm. And you know, I felt like if I was going to ask other people to do it, I needed to be able to do it. And yeah. I couldn't face myself because personal stuff going on at the time. And yeah. it was heavy. And so that really made me feel like I had something there with the project. Because um, I didn't expect to react that way. And so I had no idea how everybody else was going to react. And so, like, you shed a glory tear that one denzel tear <laughs> some people couldn't sit still at all mm -hmm. like they were just moving and i'm like sit still i wanted to say something but mm -hmm. i'm like this is their experience and yeah that's how they're <clears throat> dealing with it yeah yeah do you have a um, a person or persons that you look up to who does dope shit like a mentor um, I do have a mentor. Can I say he don't really do dumb shit? <laughs> nah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just a mentor is a mentor. Is someone yeah. That, yeah, no, I do have a mentor. Um, <clears throat> but there are also other like artists that I look up to. Um, like I'm a huge Lorna Simpson fan. Oh, like, I just <clears throat> think she is amazing. Carrie Mae Weems also, um, but more like just people that um, whose work I just kind of dig. Um, what's his name? He's out of I don't know if it's like Baltimore or somewhere. Sean Theodore. Oh, I remember. He is an amazing photographer. He does a lot of things like he plays with shadow and color a mm. lot. Like his work is pretty dope. Um, and, oh, Roger B. Roger Walker, mm. and B. Walker. Um, he shot Solange's wedding photos. Okay. Um, for Vogue or whatever. But I just think the work that they do together is beautiful. Okay, um, I've never heard of this. That's dope. They're in New York. I figure you would have come across them. Maybe I feel like maybe you know, maybe if I see the images, okay. but um, the the name doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Yeah. So that's cool. So we're gonna do a little rewind. Where were you born? So like the hospital or like where did I go home to? <laughs> well, because out here is okay. different. You know, it's like the hospital was in Bellflower, but. I went home to Compton. Oh. Yes. I'm well, born in Then that's Compton. the story then. Okay. You were born in Bellflower. Yes. Went home. So you grew up in Compton? Um, until I was like six and then we moved to Long Beach. Oh, got it, got it. So how was growing up in Long Beach? Um, it was cool, I guess. I mean, like going from Compton to Long Beach <clears throat> in the area we were in called the Wrigley area. The Wrigley? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is near kind of where Snoop 21st and mm -hmm. whatever. That was your home? No. Okay. 
But we did live off of 21st Street and Earl. Hmm. So 21st and Lewis was like maybe six, eight blocks, ten blocks, whatever, north or west, east, east of where we were. <clears throat> but it was still like pretty sketch. Like mm. you couldn't go around the corner. Like there was one block we couldn't go on that was around the corner. Mm. Why couldn't you go? Because that was like the gangbang block, like okay. Lucas block. Okay. Like, if you know people from Long Beach and say something about Lucas, they know Lucas is Got it. sketch. Got it. So you can go around on Pine, but you couldn't go on Lucas. Um, yeah, and then we moved from there when I was in seventh grade to Long Beach near, kind of near like Long Beach State. So further east, but much nicer. Okay, and then you uh, you have two siblings, right? Three. Three siblings. Mm-hmm. Three sisters. Oh, that is right. Mm-hmm. All girls. All girls. All girls. And um, where do you land? Number three. You're third born of four. Mm-hmm. You too. Hey. There it is. <laughs> Do you, would you consider your upbringing to be strict or? No, I was a latchkey kid. Mm. And so like, <clears throat> my dad and mom split when, before we moved to Long Beach. Um, so he lived like in the valley. We lived down here, so we didn't see him that often. My mom worked like two, three jobs. Mm. most of my life um so <clears throat> my older sister was like my mom got it sister mother mother mm-hmm. sister mm-hmm. um how how were you in school what, what would you classify your type to be were you a jock were you a nerd were you a weirdo were you what um i guess i would probably a cool kid no I was not a cool kid um I did play sports so I was like the quiet person who played sports who everybody knew but didn't hang out with everybody okay yeah I don't know you like a neutral yeah neutral cool person it's like I would think so, because mm. when I was a freshman in high school, my sister was a senior, and so I knew, and she played basketball, and mm. so I was on like the freshman basketball team. She played varsity, and I knew everybody because she knew everybody, right. and so I kind of had like a built-in network of people because of her. Okay, because you have a similar story to me, because... My older brother, he is five years older than me. Mm-hmm. So when I went, we all went to the high, high, same high school. Mm-hmm. So when I went to high school, the people who were freshmen mm-hmm. when he was a senior mm-hmm. were seniors when I was a freshman. Okay. So I was a freshman, but then I was hanging out with all like the upperclassmen. Mm-hmm. And then because in high school, they were like, hey, how does he know mm-hmm. all these things? Whatever. So that it does give you a nice pocket to make socializing and adjusting yeah. from middle school to high school 
easier when you just like know everybody already. Absolutely. Yeah. Because okay. all my friends went to Poly, like from junior high. Mm. And my mom was like, you're not going to Poly. Like if you local, you know, mm. Poly is like, like they put out a lot of football players, like professional football players. Mm. A lot of them go to Poly, went yeah, to Poly, heard, whatever. Yeah, I heard of Poly. Yeah. So my mom was like, no, you are not going to Poly. Wilson was closer. So, well, and because my older sister went there. So it's like, you got to go where she go. Okay. And then after high school, what did you do? I went to Atlanta. Say what? Enrolled in Clark Atlanta University. Mm-hmm. A-T-L-A-N-T-A. That's what I say. And so how was that? Why did you choose Clark? So, I knew I wanted to go to HBCU. Why did you want to go to HBCU? School days. You know, um, that's so dope. Like, Spike, Spike and a Different World, like, all this stuff had, like, basically influenced the generation. But go ahead. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, school days and also, there was a program I was in in junior high school called Young Black Scholars. Mm-hmm. And it was basically just, like, the black club of smart kind of black people whatever yeah and we did like stuff extracurricular type of things and it was fun and so just being around people that look like me was very important being from long beach long beach is a melting pot Mm. like my school was kind of segregated but it was still like there was everybody there but it was segregated so all the white folks kicked it together all black folks get together, Asians, Filipinos, Mexicans. Mm. It's a melting pot. So deciding to go to an HBCU, it's like, I just want to be around people who look like me. And so I applied to Hampton. I got into Hampton. I was going to apply to Howard, but I visited Howard during the summer. Mm -hmm. So I was in D.C., and I was supposed to go visit Howard Hampton, like a bunch of, it was like my mama made up a college tour for me. Okay. And she crowdfunded before crowdfunding was like a real thing. Oh, but she dope. was trying to get sponsorship, all of this to send me to DC. I was staying with her homegirl. Howard was the only school I went to, but I saw like all the monuments. It's great two weeks, but I only got to see Howard. The tour was supposed to be for two hours. It was 30 minutes and it was only 30 minutes because the girl who was leading the tour got on one of the little golf carts and we were all walking behind her and she was on a golf she cart? was in a golf cart she rode maybe half a block right on campus and then started pointing out buildings to us over there is the library. Over there is the girls' dorm. Over there. So she had something better else, something yeah, else better to do. Huh? I was like, this is some bullshit. Yeah, that's why. I was like, why would I want to come here? Like, this is the representation. Mm. You know, why would I want to come here? How are y'all missed out? Y'all could have had Terry <laughs> at y'all's school. Like, no oh, shade. Wow. I mean, but then it was like, and this is my own ignorance. Telling people like, oh, I'm gonna go visit Howard and stuff. Oh, and they're like, oh, don't go to the KFC across the street. 
don't go to the McDonald's like just because of the neighborhood or whatever. I didn't know that all majority of black colleges are in hood like projects called that. Mm -hmm. So when I got accepted to Clark, um, they sent a map of the campus and it was not a colored map. It was like a drawn map and they had like all the dorms and there are trees around the campus. I'm like, oh, it looks really nice. Like, oh, this is my dorm, Beckwith Hall. Okay, I'm gonna be across the street from the football field. And I ran track in high school too. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, I can go and run on the track right across the street, blah, blah, blah. Get to campus for orientation. Ain't no trees, okay? (laughs) There were projects on campus. Like literally my dorm and across the street were projects. The gym, in between the gym and campus were projects. Like the campus was surrounded by projects. Spelman, Morehouse, all the schools, Morris Brown, all the schools surrounded by projects. But I didn't know that because the map showed the projects as trees. Right. So, gotcha. Exactly. So you didn't visit Clark before? No. Oh, wow. There was a guy in my high school, I can't remember his name now, but he had enrolled in Clark. And he was a senior or a junior when I was a freshman. And so I was like, well, at least I'll know one person. Yeah, yeah. And what was that area called? Because it was like a, it's a shopping area over the there. The West End? The West End. Yeah. Yeah. The West End ain't the West End no more. Yeah, the West End. So after Clark. Yes. What'd you do? Where'd you go? So after Clark, I stayed a year after I graduated. I was waiting tables. I got my degree in sociology. Okay. Um, and I was just like chilling. I was like. I was waiting tables in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. At Sylvia's. Okay. And. Um, I used to go to Terraza. You remember Toronto? Mm-hmm. It's like a little jet. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I was at Sylvia's, and they decided to close the restaurant. And I was like, "Damn, what am I gonna do?" Cause I was chilling. I was like, not even thinking about getting a real job. Making cash every day. Yeah, you know, it's like, do I go back to school? Mm. You know, do I want to get a master's? I don't know what I want to do, so I'm just do this and so finding another job I was having a hard time finding another job at tables and I was like I'm gonna go back home so I called my mom like um, I'm ready to come home and she was like okay and she got me like a U-Haul my sister was in Alabama at the time mm. she came up and we drove cross country back here so, what would you say your what's your passion? That's a good question. I'm still learning. I think art and just creating things is my passion. I love like space planning, which is like kind of weird, but I like you were talking about my place or whatever. Yeah. I love like. Not necessarily interior design, but just creating space. Um, 
So I'm really passionate about that and just art in general. Like I love photography. I started shooting in I think 2006. Okay, this is who's going to be my next oh, question. Okay. Your <laughs> photography journey. Yeah. Tell me about that. When you first started, why did you start and all that? So my dad gave me my first camera because he was a photographer. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a film camera for like a Vivitar. Um, <clears throat> taught me, kind of taught me like some basics on how to use it, whatever. And he and I would go out and shoot together. Oh, that's nice. um, I took a class at like Long Beach City College, like just about a black and white film class. And that's where I met my mentor because he was a teacher at Long Beach City College. Got it. And um, yeah, that's, I was kind of off and on like shooting. And my dad got sick in 2009 and passed away. Like I was taking class with my mentor and I just like, when he died, I just stopped. Mm. Like I dropped the class. Like I didn't even like formally drop it. I just stopped, stopped going. going. Yeah. Um, and I just stopped shooting. Cause I went through a period before he got sick where I was like trying to monetize my photography. And so like 2007, 2008, everybody in my mom was a photographer. Like everybody had a camera. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be like that photographer, like everybody else. Um, I didn't want to be the person who always had the camera, like, cause then you're stuck capturing everybody else's moments. Yeah. And not just being able to be there or even being able to be in the photos mm -hmm. because you're taking all the photos. Exactly. And that was never, like I had a hard time, like my journey with photography really uncomfortable and hard because I felt like I was trying to force something that wasn't natural to me. Mm -hmm. um, like my boyfriend at the time was like, why don't you go do this? Why don't you shoot? Why don't you go and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, it's not what I want. You know, like I don't, I'm not trying to use this as a tool necessarily to make money. I'm just doing it because I like to do it. Yeah. I'm shooting what I like to shoot. Why do I need a website? Why do I need to do this? Why do I need to do that? Yeah. So when he died, when my dad died, I just was like, I don't want to do this. And <clears throat> I picked it back up in like 2010, okay. I guess, 2010, 2011. And I started like shooting some events, which I hated. And Why do you hate shooting events? I mean, I know we talked about this before. <laughs> um, because they didn't allow me to be creative. Um, I like to shoot, when I shoot events, I want you to feel like you were there. I want to capture the energy. Yeah. Not the people, not just the people. Like, I want to capture the people, but you can pose everybody and capture all the people. That's not what I want. Right, right. Like, if it's a party, I want you to look like you were having a good time. If yeah. everybody just sitting around looking bored, that's not fun. Nobody's gonna wanna come to this. Right. And I used to shoot 
Wednesday nights at the room on Kalinga. And like the homies, Greg and Rick had a party, you know, they threw a party there. And um, I really tried to capture the energy and the mood, but it just got really redundant. Yeah. And it was cool for what it was, but I was like, yeah. I'm not about this life. Go to work and then go out to Hollywood in the middle of the week and then have to come home, go to work the next day, find time to edit the photos. Like, what about that life? Hey, I feel you. You know, I just, I used to do a lot of events in New York, video and photography. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't like being it because especially at night, then you I have to put my light on and people's like looking at it like, oh, who are you? it's just like a whole thing. And I, it's crowded. And I'm like, uh, gotta change my batteries. I'm sweating and my back hurt. It's just like, oh, I like events is not. Yeah, people be like, no, we don't want no pictures tonight. Uh, like, yeah, it's just all that. And it's like, all right, man. Like if this dude wanna cheat on his wife, that ain't none of my business. I'm just trying to do my job. That's it. Sheesh. So what was your first photo show? So my first show was in 2011. Um, my mentor was putting on a group show. Um, and I've only done like group shows. Mm -hmm. um, he was putting on a group show in Long Beach. And I did a portrait series of my nephew. Um, he was, I want to say, it was 2011. You have to do the math real quick. I know. And I, <laughs> I'm the same way. Not that great in now. My nephew, I was like, hold up. What year is it? He was born in 2012. Okay, so he's, uh, obviously, uh, right. It's like 13. Okay. And he was taking boxing and he wasn't like, like he's really tall now, but he wasn't like a big kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think he was like getting picked on and stuff. And so he was like self-defense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought the narrative was interesting and I was up against a deadline and I all the ideas I had weren't working out. Mm -hmm. um, so I, Showed the series of portraits I did of him. Okay. And you said you had some other photos. I think that's important to say because I feel like when people see work, that there's a lot of ideas that may not materialize as we think, but and we and we never put it out. Mm -hmm. So people only see, of course, what we put out. But right. I think it's important to know that like it. It's still a process. It's not like as precise. I have an idea. Oh, it's, yeah. Oh yeah, no. Like for me, I go through a lot of ideas before I actually stumble upon one mm -hmm. that works. It's like a process. Yeah, yeah. Like I have to either I see the image in my head, and then I try to make it, and then I construct a narrative 
around it after the fact. Yeah. Or I have the narrative in my head and make the images to fit the narrative. So this is how, that's cool because it sounds like this is how you set yourself apart from those photographers that you didn't want to be aligned with. It's like when you're saying everyone's a photographer, but mm -hmm. if you set yourself apart and like, this is my vision, this is my narrative, this is my look, then you just set apart, yourself apart. Yeah, and I also had to learn like what my style was. Yeah. Like I'm not a commercial photographer. I don't shoot editorial. Um, like there are all these different genres and I <laughs> told you. <laughs> and um, like settling in, like this is the type of work that I make and mm -hmm. being comfortable with that, that took a long time. Cause you know, social media was on the rise back then. And just seeing all these different people making work or just going out and shooting or grabbing their friends and putting on photo shoots and doing whatever they're doing and feeling like I have to compete with them and do what they're doing, but that's not me being true to myself. So how can I be true to myself? And then I, I step back, you know, I often go through periods where if things don't feel right, I just stop. Like, I just stop shooting. And then when I feel like, okay, this is something that I want to pick up or I have this idea, then I shoot it. So it's very like inconsistent. Like I'm not the person that's always making work. I envy those people. You like the Dr. Dre of photography. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but I was watching this, uh, did you watch the, 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 the documentary? And he was saying how he, he basically goes off of feeling and inspiration. So he's not like always in the studio, always this is like, if he's inspired, and he feels like doing it, and then he's like, he very much about feeling. Yeah. So that's what that reminded me of when you said that right okay. there. Okay, well, I'll, I'll accept that. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> what are your pet peeves? Um, <clears throat> I cannot stand when a person is like, oh, remind me to tell you X, Y, and Z. <laughs> or, ooh, I was about to tell you, I'll tell you later. No. Tell me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot stand when a person's like, ooh, I meant to tell you, or I was about to tell you something and I forgot, like, no, just tell me. Yeah. Remind me to tell, no, just tell me now. Yo, my thoughts go crazy when people say that. Even when they say, can I talk to you? I'm like, oh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, <laughs> All the anxiety. Uh, yeah, it like really, messes me up because I think about everything. Mm -hmm. So I feel you on that pet peeve. Yeah. What is one of your most memorable experiences that help mold, I guess, your passion? So my dad, he went by Tony. And in Redondo Beach at the pier, there's a restaurant called Tony's. Mm -hmm. And so he and I go to Redondo Beach Pier 
and shoot. And so one day I shot him outside of the restaurant, like they have these rocks. <clears throat> and he was, you know, I was shooting film. Um, and he was sitting on the rocks and you could see like Tony's in the background. And he just looked super cool. He had his like glasses on with his koofy and his black long sleeve shirt, smoking a cigarette, just looking super cool. Mm -hmm. When he passed away, um, I went, I wanted to recreate that photo shoot, but I was him. Mm. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done because um, the memory was so fresh in my mind and I had his koofy. I had on a long sleeve black shirt. I had my glasses on and I like bummed a cigarette off somebody because I don't smoke. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't get through it. Like, I mean, and that was by myself. So I had like my tripod set up and everything. And people were like looking at me like I was crazy and stuff. Um, I did it. But putting it together, and it was for that class that I was taking that I dropped out of, mm -hmm. um, like the weight of putting that together, trying to do it. Um, when I was in college, he made me a mixtape. He was heavy into jazz, right? Oh, okay. And so he made me a mixtape of jazz songs called, and he titled it, um, Songs From My Father. And I wanted to do the photos like a um, like cassette tape line, like liner notes. And so it was going to be like me and him, you know, mm. just me kind of mirroring him with the, the tape. And I was like my project or whatever, but I couldn't, I couldn't get through the project. But I feel like going through that experience of working through the pain and the grief kind of helped me get through like using art to get through other difficult periods in life and so the exercise in stillness shoot that i did with you i was also going through a very difficult period in life and making work help me to do that mm -hmm. Great answer. Glad I uh, asked that one and not skip over it. Uh, do you have a artist philosophy or mission statement that you go by? It could be a quote. Um, you don't need help. Do you? Well, I don't. I don't have it. Well, it's probably on my Instagram. Um, but there's a Toni Morrison quote mm -hmm. that I that I love. Um, let me see. Oh, here it is. <clears throat> the function, the very serious function of racism is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. Somebody says you have no language and you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says your head isn't shaped properly, so you have scientists working on the fact that it is. Somebody says you have no art, so you dredge that up. Somebody says you have no kingdoms, so you dredge that up. None of this is necessary. 
there will always be one more thing. Mm. And so to me, it's like, you have to just do your work. Like all the other stuff is just to distract you from your purpose, distract you from doing what you came here to do. Mm. And so I think about that when I don't want to make work or when I'm just so focused on the world and everything else that's going on not and not doing my work then I have to remind myself like do your work get that work basically <laughs> okay um, that's kind of an aggressive quote though <laughs> it is aggressive is your if that is my word for the day. This your word of the day. Yeah. The word for today is aggressive. aggressive. That was mad aggressive, son. <laughs> Back up off me. I had to use it in a sentence. <laughs> so, uh, right now we're getting to the name that tune portion. Play this song. <laughs> or I should say Big Boy. <laughs> you remember the name of the song? Uh, no, but Janelle Monet is on it. And I can't remember the dude's name. I like that song though. The dude, the singer? Yeah. I'll give you a hint. I can see picture in space, I just can't remember the name. Star. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were doing like a beard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's Outcast Morris Brown. Yeah, is the name of that one. Mm-hmm. All right, I should know that. Baby, you see. Hey, that's why I chose it. I, I thought she's gonna, you know, it's all good. Um, rest in peace, Morris Brown. For sure. Two for three. I'll take it. You take it. Alright, we're getting to the end of the interview though. Thank you for all of you who are still listening. <laughs> and the reason why I do like the music portion is like I try to I feel like you can always get like a kind of a good feel for who someone is mm-hmm. by what music they know. Yeah. Or music they whatever. So what music are you like what is currently in your rotation now? I know I came so, in here and you was playing Thundercat and Steve Lacey. Yes. Okay, so Google Play mm-hmm. is kind of amazing. Oh, I never used it. I got a, um, what do you call this thing? A Chromecast? Yeah. So I was casting Google Play, whatever, on my TV. 
and their playlists, like their radio, is just so much better than Apple Music. Like, and I love Apple. I mm. do have Apple Music. I don't have like Spotify. I mean, yeah. I use it. Cause I have Tidal. Yeah. Know. I mean, I got Apple Music, so I'm gonna buy Tidal. Mm -hmm. But um, Google Play, no commercials. So if you don't pay for Spotify, you know, or Pandora, um, really great radio. And so I've been listening to Jordan Reiki. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Okay. It's a dude from London, I think. And very soulful uh, white boy, um, but super soulful. And so I've just been listening to that radio, but a lot of Anderson Pack that's on there. Uh, Hiatus Coyote, Thundercat. Yes. Um, this dude, uh, Diggs Duke or Duke Diggs or something. Mm. Um, but just that kind of vibe. Like, I love Thundercat. I just kind of do Little Dragon. Yeah, that vibe. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, that's the wave. It's my wave. What's the last movie you saw in the theater? Oh gosh, I went and saw Uncle Drew over the weekend. Oh, it came out already? <laughs> it came out last week. Oh, I didn't know Friday. that. Yeah. I'm gonna go see that. Yeah. I'm gonna go see it Sunday. Very, like, what you would think of that type of movie. Yeah, it looks entertaining. It is funny. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely for kids, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. It's definitely for kids. I'm gonna go check that out. I didn't know it came out already. That's mm -hmm. what's up. Yeah, it came out last Friday. But before before that, probably Black Panther. <laughs> Same. Same. There's a uh, Whitney Houston documentary coming out. Yeah. I heard too. it's really good. Like people just talking about it who like saw it. I don't know where if it went to Sundance or wherever it oh. was. But um, I want to see the other documentary about that. Which one? Uh, what is his name? Tall dude, he always be rolling with Anna Winter. Oh, Andre, Andre Leon Talley. Yeah, yeah, I want to see that one. The Gospel According to Yeah, Andre. they showed it at the Underground. They did. I did see that, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't make it. And I heard it was super packed. Mm. I feel but like they always are over there, right? I they have been oh. lately. Well, I think you know the more people that go and hear about it more people want to go out and I mean it's not a whole lot to do on a Friday night anyway it's if not, you want not I mean if LA. you want to be do some key, cultural yeah, yeah you know and not like in Hollywood or yeah this is true out out you know it's something to do and it's good vibes and wine and popcorn is free yeah I like the underground museum a lot mm -hmm. I, will, I need to go more it's always like a good crowd of people there mm -hmm. and it's like good vibes or like good spot. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah, can you share a memorable article, book, or YouTube clip that you discovered and you would want other people to know about? Ooh. Um article, book or YouTube clip. So I would have to say <laughs> So book uh The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Okay. Um I, I do audiobooks. I mean, I have a lot of books, as you can see. 
Right. But where um, are you? You just I can't see you. I could barely see you. she has so many books in here. <laughs> I just see her eyes right now. <sighs> but um year of yes. Just cause I've last year ooh, I'm like, how personal do I wanna get? On the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. I mean uh it's whatever. So last year and I don't even know if you know the full everything. So I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer yeah, last we year. About okay. This. Yeah. So and I had surgery to have it removed and all of that. And after going through that experience, it was like shit's gotta change, right? Not that it was like a near-death experience or anything like that, but it was just like having to go through getting a diagnosis and what does that mean? Nobody wants to hear that they have cancer. Like, I don't care how old you are. No type, you know, nobody wants to hear that. Mm -hmm. And so just going through the range of emotions of what does that what does that mean? You know, am I going to be okay? Will I be normal? Blah, 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 you know. And having to be on hormone replacements every day for the rest of my life, like, my body's different. And so reading that book just really helped me rethink how I approach things and really helped me just live more fully in the present and that's something that has helped me get through a lot of things was just really being present and being mindful and doing things outside of the ordinary mm. or what is ordinary for me and like the whole well the whole billboard thing that was after, I mean, Year of Yes was after that. But even <clears throat> Lorenzo had um, suggested that I apply for the scholarship for this program, Water Freelance. You know, saw you at the um, thing the other day. Right, shout out to Lorenzo Diggins Jr. And Mr. Um, Simple Things himself. Right. And I got the scholarship. And I wouldn't have done that. Like, Lorenzo's always on me about like, oh, your art, your art and stuff. But I wouldn't have done it if, probably if I hadn't read Sean Ryan's book, mm -hmm. I probably would have just been like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. But like, not really do it. I'm glad, I'm glad you did it. Or doing it. Yeah. No, I think the project that's gonna come from it is gonna be, I think cool and a lot of fun. It's coming up in the fall? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still working on compiling everything. Right. Um, but the first iteration of it, yes, will be done before the end of this year. Got it. Yeah. Cool. So we can't talk about it here. Uh sure, we can. It's not like a secret. Oh, okay. I, I know if you want to display it. Yeah, because I feel like the more I talk about it, then that well, means I have to finish it. The more real it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, 
So tell me about the project that you're working on now. Okay, so another book I've really been inspired by is um, called Black Artists on Art. And it's essentially a book that showcases like 40 some odd black artists, um, many I'd never heard of. And it was originally published in 1969. And I found it at a used bookstore in um, Hollywood. And looking through it, there aren't any photographers, although some of the artists use photography in their work, um, but they don't consider themselves like photographers. Mm. And I just thought about how amazing it would be to have a modern version of that. And all of the artists in there have, there's a quote from each of them on art or their practice and their images of their work. And um, I just thought it'd be really dope to have a modern version. And I know a lot of artists and creatives and stuff, um, a lot of visual artists. And so I decided that I would create something like it. Um, but to be done in volumes, because my network isn't that vast, even though like with social media, it makes you feel like it is, mm. you know, because I follow a lot of artists, but I don't know a lot of them personally. And I'd like to have something tangible before I go and approach people that I don't know. Got it. So I asked you and hey. some of my other um, friends and amazing visual artists that I know um, to sit down for a portrait with me, which is something different that the book doesn't do. Like it includes a headshot, but I imagine all the people just provided a picture of themselves. Yeah. Um, but I'm photographing each of the artists and they're providing some work and we're sitting down and talking about art and community and all of that. And I'm including a quote from each artist yeah. in the book. Yeah. And so originally I wanted it to be a zine but I really think it'll be more like a small book. I mean, it'll still, I guess, it, it could, a zine can be a book, right? I mean, whatever. But it'll be like a small book. Okay, yeah, thank you uh, for allowing me to be a participant, asking me to be in your project, I appreciate it. I appreciate you for saying yes. Yeah, you know, uh, Terry was like, Punking me. <laughs> Terry was punking me out. Hey, yo, send me your work so I could finish this project. Yeah. I came home and she was on my couch with a bat. I was like, Terry, how'd you get in here? <laughs> it helps to know the doorman. I was like, ugh. I came to work. She was sitting at my desk. I'm like, yo, I, I'm going to get it to you. I don't want no problems. <laughs> I'm still waiting on work from a couple artists. Yeah. But I'm really excited about it. And going through the Art of Freelance um, program to do it was really helpful because um, it helps you to identify 
a project that you want to complete and then helping it also helps you to map out what steps you need to personally take in order to do that mm. and in your cohort your group you have accountability partners and any resources that they have so if I needed like a printer and somebody has the hookup they'd be like okay talk to this guy because get a discount or here's my discount code for this like I had a graphic designer in my group and she helped a bunch of people with their projects um, because that was her thing you know building up her brand Mm -hmm. so it was really cool to have like accountability partners and also just the series of exercises that you do to identify the projects that you want to complete, the life that you want to have for yourself. Super amazing experience. And we finished the session last month, um, but we're going to have another check-in sometime this month. Um, So it's cool to still have people like, okay, so where are you now? Like, you didn't finish it, but, okay, where are you now? Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool and important, you know. So it's like, I have to do it. Like, talking about it, going through this whole process, like, yeah. I have to do it. I feel like accountability is very important, especially when you're not in college anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, when you're in college, everybody's trying to do this, this, that, but then it's like, when you're out of college and you're grown, you have your own place, it's like people have so many more mm-hmm. responsibilities mm-hmm. and it's it's harder to get those like-minded people around you to make mm-hmm. to have that accountability it's like oh i gotta, gotta go feed my dog right I gotta, you know, or whatever you know right and it's hard when you're doing work that you're not getting paid for exactly and part of freelancer whole thing is hire yourself mm. like do work that you would want to get hired for so you have to hire yourself to do it. So it's hard. That's a good way to put it. <clears throat> hire yourself. What to say it again? You want to do work that you want to get hired for. You got to do work that you want to get hired for. So you have to hire yourself. Hire yourself. Yeah. That's nice. Okay. <laughs> that resonated with me. That's Matthew from Art Freelance. Oh, <laughs> like, shout out to Matthew. <laughs> What is a little known fact about you that people would be surprised to know? Other than me having cancer? Um. <laughs> I know, right? Other than that. Um, obscure fact. I gotta think about that. I don't know. Well, I, I think the cancer one is okay. a survivor. I think that's a good one. <laughs> that sounds so weird. Like, mm-hmm. thyroid cancer is... I mean, it's cancer, but it's not like cancer. Like the success rate and the cure rate is like 98%. Mm -hmm. And the 2% of people that pass or whatever, it's generally because of them being elderly and not being able to get through the surgery or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
saying like I'm a survivor. Like I don't I don't know. I haven't I don't I don't own that. Okay. And I was thinking too, just like when you were talking about percentages and stuff, like how dope is that that we're living in a time where like the medical and technological advances are researched enough mm-hmm. for us to be able to benefit mm-hmm. from that you know absolutely because it's you know 100 years ago right people still trying to figure it out hmm, what's this what's that and right like, so all right um, and i didn't realize how common it was mm, me either and to be like my age and go through it and still like like people see my scar and be like, "Oh, you had a thyroid wound? Me too." You know, and mm. it's just like it's mm. weird. The whole community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing research online, like I'm really surprised at how common it is and the lack of answers. You know, even though it's so common everybody's body goes through different things and the chat rooms and you know forums and all that stuff like it's wild how medically they tell you like it's normal that you're gonna gain 50 pounds Mm. no no i'm not doing that not about to just be okay with gaining 50 pounds. I can't gain 50 pounds. I'm 5'1". Like, <laughs> like what? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not okay, you know? And not once did my doctor tell me I should go gluten-free, right? Mm-hmm. All the research I've done, that's the number one thing. They're like, go gluten-free because gluten causes inflammation, it affects your metabolism, it also will affect how your medicine performs. I would think that that, my doctor... So you're gluten-free now? I mean, it's a process. I'm trying. Okay. I'm gluten-free in my house. Yeah. Outside my house is another story. But, you know, it's hard. Because gluten's everything. It is. I'm I'm gluten. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, what is advice you would give to your 18 year old self? Because when I think about myself at 18, I was like just trying to kick it. Like I was in school and stuff. But okay, fun fact: I wanted to be Ava DuVernay. Okay. When I was since I was 13. Oh, okay. So, I've known Ava my whole life. She's like family. Our mothers are best friends. Oh, dope. And so, that's my cousin. You know, we've got them cousins. Like, that's my cousin. Okay. Not her cousin. Okay. (laughs) We family. Um, And so, ever since I was 13, I wanted to be she was like the coolest person I had like ever met, ever seen, whatever. She used to be a rapper. Yeah, I was about to say that. I was like, did she used to rap? I remember going over to her parents' house 
and her rapping in the kitchen. And it was just like, and she had like the Diggable Planets uh, butterfly, like bob haircut. Like, I just thought she was like. Oh, I mean, like, Ladybug. Ladybug, yes, yeah. not butterfly, Ladybug, yeah. Just, but I just thought she was like. What was her flow like? Um, was it like real cerebral? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you my scientist in this? this, this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you seen This Is The Life? Nah, that That's was... That's her first documentary. Right, I heard about it, but I yeah. haven't seen it. Okay. Pretty good. Um, but I wanted to be her. So in college, it's like, I'm a major in PR, because I'm gonna go work for Ava when I graduate college, blah, blah, blah. And I realized, like, PR was not for me. And so I think the advice I would give to myself is, to find your thing. And you don't have to be able. Like you can be you, you can be Terry and be cool with that. Mm -hmm. And whatever she wanna do, explore that. And stay curious. Yeah. Some good words right there. Do you, well, dang, you answered all these questions I <laughs> This question was, was a quote that you love or live by that you already gave that Tony Morrison thing? Oh, well... Oh. What societal norm do you think is stupid or weird and which wasn't the norm? Calling women hoes. Two consenting adults should be able to do whatever they're going to do without any either person worrying about their reputation. Shouldn't matter. Yeah. I feel like that's stupid. I was watching a clip yesterday I agree on Instagram and um Amber Rose was being interviewed or whatever and she was saying how she goes out on a day with a guy she shouldn't be perceived as a slut if that makes her a slut then so be it and the guy was like well it's not you going on a din going out to dinner it's you having sex with the guy you know, that would make you a slut. And she's like, well, if that makes me a slut, then what does that make a man who has sex with a lot of women? He was like a slut maker. Oh, <laughs> it was like Jesse Lee Peterson. Oh, I don't know I who do. I think was, doing was, it, yeah. who doing the interview, but like, really? Like how backwards is that? A slut maker? Really? Yeah, so that's the societal bullshit that I wish yeah. did not exist. Yeah, because it's like that's it's so weird because it takes two to tango, you know? Exactly. And and it's so whack that that title reputation is only attributed to the women. Exactly. So it's just like patriarchy wearing his ugly head, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um I mean, I could just say patriarchy and misogyny altogether. Yeah. But to be very specific, that is one thing. Yeah. Okay. And um, the last thing that I do, and I did this pivot questionnaire. Okay. Which was uh, made famous by Inside the Active Studio by James Lipton. Love that show. So, what is your favorite word? 
<laughs> Terry, you better answer my question. <laughs> Can we come back to that question? Um, sure. Okay. What's your least favorite word? No. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? The ocean. What turns you off besides <laughs> catfish? However, doesn't see. Hmm. What's your favorite curse word? Bitch. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I guess because you said it with no hesitation and so articulate. <laughs> Bitch. What sound or noise do you love? Children laughing. What sound or noise do you hate? People that scratch their throat. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. You know what's funny? That's Nate had the same answer. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he had told a story where he said that uh, it was years when he never knew what that was. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I learned how to do it uh, from a friend in college. And she was doing it. I was like, what are you, what are you doing? And she was like, I'm scratching my, my throat like that. I get that inner ear mm -hmm. itching. I was like, what? I've never, like, it was, I'm like, what? I was like, does that work? Yeah. She was like, yeah, the vibrations, it, it kind of soothed it. I was like, oh, My man, sister does it. It's terrible. All the time. <laughs> um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Ooh, um, uh, exhibition design. What prof profession, what profession would you not like to do? Be a police officer. Uh, last question. Oh, not unless you want to go back to the favorite word. Um, Email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, we can go with that. Love. Uh, Interior design. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just spitting, but I'm just putting right, it out there. No, um, I'm just putting it out there. Art. Okay. Yeah. Last question. <clears throat> if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Hey, girl. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> you know what? All right, so that's it. Um, <laughs> thank you for <laughs> thank you for doing this interview with me, and I'm like trying to learn because I'm like getting back. I kind of took a break from mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. and I'm just trying to do more and I feel that uh, listen to the podcast and hearing people's feedback from it mm -hmm. I'm really trying to better at letting my subject speak more okay because a lot of times I'm like barging in a lot so I, I just like really want to highlight the person I'm interviewing I've listened to the podcast and I feel like you just ask questions okay. like I feel like you listen and you ask follow-up questions. I do, but sometimes I would add like my little oh. <laughs> my little anecdotes and stuff. And then when I, even when I listen to them, I'm editing. I need to take them out because I'm like it's too much of me. I want to hear all about Terry, all about whoever I'm interviewing, not particularly my input. I feel you. I'm gonna end the podcast like I do every time, and that is my favorite quote from Pablo Picasso, which is only put off. For tomorrow, what you're willing to die having left undone, 
and we in here and we out here.